Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer and Friends. So who are my friends? <laughs> well, we got Kim Stark here tonight to talk about a really cool um, free bike program with her friend Dwan Shepard, uh, a, a person in the cyclist community that a lot of people know. Um, we also have Bill London here to talk about stir up all kinds of trouble. Um, he's been working on that all day. Um, we've got a story. Uh, last night I went out. Uh, there's several different routes on this trucker's convoy back to Washington, D.C. And the one from Oregon kind of went more south. Uh, the one from Washington State came right through the town I'm living in, in Montana. And so I drove to get to a place called Belgrade, where most of it was going on. So I did a story with a gentleman, Jeremy, from uh, Helena area, businessman. And he'll tell you kind of what he's doing. We also got a rare opportunity to talk to a trucker. And you look at the close-ups, he's got tears in his eyes. He said it was the most amazing thing to see how much people cared about him. So some of the critics out there blasting the truckers thing, well, you just need to shut your mouth because you really don't understand what's going on out there. And don't be comparing it to what's going on in, in Ukraine because I, I don't even get where I got critics coming on and saying all kinds of dumb things about that. And there's not, they're two separate things. Yes, it's both freedom. But the way I put it in my blog today was we should be more concerned about our freedom watching what's going on to people over there. So we should be fighting for our freedom, but also praying and fighting for their freedom as well. But it's not one or the other, like some of you are trying to make it out to be, or, oh, because you're doing this, you're not paying attention to them. Horse crap. That isn't how it works. And you don't get to keep trying to divide and conquer us. The thing that you're going to find out is we're learning. We figured out what we're not going to do again next time. And so when and if this comes up, um, you know, again, uh, there's a lot of things that are going to change for a lot of people. Our show is brought to you by Rosa Real Estate Group. Um, they are looking for businesses to sponsor. So if you want to sponsor some, get a hold of them, contact them. Their number will be coming up in a little bit because I'm going to show you a house they're trying to sell, a property with three different houses on it, professionally made video. And uh, this is like your dream house. I think it's out in Coburg area. So anyway, that's going to be showing up there. He's one of our sponsors. Another sponsor is Chris Dental, Family Dentistry, Michael Bratlin, who, uh, by the way, was on the radio today on Lars Larson. Um, he's going to do some advertising on there. Well, Hope wants to talk about it. And so I sent Lars uh, an audio of his new um, new commercial, which Kim has also heard. And in fact, Kim, hold on. So Kim also heard it. And he, uh, Dr. Bratlin is uh, out there telling people, you know, he's shaming them for <laughs> ignoring what's going on. And Larson heard it and uh, put it on, talked about it today. So Dr. B was pretty happy about that. I bet he was. Yeah, that's the perfect show for, for Dr. Bratlin to be on. <laughs> Kim wrote me after I sent it to her. I said, you got to hear this. I sent it to her and Kim writes back, just wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. And I love how he's always so, um, he's almost yelling in his commercial. Yeah, he screams in the car. And also Mercury Metal is our sponsor. And we put together Tim, uh, who works for me, Schley. He went out and got some video. So we put together a little video to show with them out there. They do some of the coolest work like that. Uh, we've got a senator, a state senator from New Hampshire, uh, talking about the trucking movement and what's going on with that. He's very supportive. And we have one of the attorneys who 
help give Kate Brown a little slap on the wrist for doing something a little bit illegal. Now she's her PR people are pushing the other part of the story where she was found to be okay. But the bottom line is uh, she, she doesn't get to do some of the things she's doing. (laughs) Kim, you go hang in there and I'm going to put the opening and we'll get Bill on here. And he's, he's also, he's going to do some, a little bit of less flannel, he said. Okay, we'll see what he has. All right. We'll find what he has to say. So here we go with the open, and we'll go right to Billy. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey, guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? Yeah, there's a cost. Oh, yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. From the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios, I'm Bill London, host of the Wake Up Call, heard Monday through Friday mornings on those fine radio stations, 6 AM to 9. I want to thank, first off, all of the flannel lovers out there who voted thumbs up for flannel over Hawaiian shirts. Now, as a compromise to Rick and Dr. Michael Bradland, who would prefer to see me in Hawaiian shirts, I won't go that far, but what I am willing to do is wear my favorite t-shirt. And I wear it with pride. All right, we start off with breaking news tonight, and that is from the Oregon legislature. The Oregon Senate just approved a bill that was passed by the House on Tuesday that will end agricultural overtime exemptions, sinking attempts at compromise sought by farm organizations. It's House Bill 4002, which passed the Senate just a little bit ago on a 17 to 10 vote, and it phases out the overtime exemption over five years while providing tax credits to temporarily compensate farmers for what are expected to be much higher labor costs. That bill will go to Governor Kate Brown, who is expected to sign it. Farm groups wanted to amend the bill so that state money would instead go directly to farm workers, supplying them with higher overtime wages after 40 hours a week, while allowing the growers more flexibility in scheduling. Under the bill passed by the legislature, farm workers will be owed time and a half overtime wages after 55 hours a week next year, with the threshold incrementally dropping to 40 weekly hours in 2027. Most farms will be eligible for one of three tiers of tax credits, depending on whether they employ 25 or fewer workers, 20 to 50 workers, or more than 50. Depending between 2023 and 2028, tax credits will incrementally decline from 90 to 60 percent of overtime costs for the smallest employers, 75 to 50 percent for those in the middle tier, and from 60 percent to 15 for the largest employers. After that, tax credits will be ended or reevaluated by lawmakers based on economic studies. However, opponents countered that the tax credits amount to a stay of execution for farms that'll go out of business or figure out ways to limit employees' working hours. In a story that we have been following, not only on the KPNW Wake Up Call, which I co-host, but also here on Get Real with Rick Dancer, 
has to do with a lawsuit against Governor Kate Brown over her clemencies and commutations. Well, a judge has made a ruling, and you could call it a split. So the judge directed the Oregon Parole Board not to hold hearings for a group of juvenile felon offenders whose sentences were commuted last year by Governor Kate Brown. The decision was part of the lawsuit brought against Governor Brown by Lane County DA Patty Perlow and Lynn County DA Doug Martini along with the relatives of three homicide victims. Marion County Circuit Court Judge David Leith's ruling came amid a legal challenge to the governor's commutation authority. The decision though did underscore broad broad clemency powers for Governor Brown, but it concluded that the Board of Parole and Post-Prison Supervision does not have the statutory authority to take up the cases. Now, as we have reported here, that Brown commuted the sentences of 75 violent youth offenders who were convicted of juveniles, effectively making them eligible to seek release through the parole board. Brown sought to apply the Juvenile Justice Parenthetical Reform Law, Senate Bill 1008, passed by Eugene Senator Floyd Prozonsky and ran through the legislature by him as well. Now, the law applied only to cases going forward, and that law aims to keep teens accused of the most serious crimes in the juvenile system instead of the adult system because at the age of 25, they'll automatically be released, even if they committed, say, a heinous murder or child molestation or the list goes on and on and on. The ruling represents at least a roadblock to Brown's commutation push. Her office first floated the idea of the juvenile commutations early last year and kept those discussions secret until fall. The state has now decided that they will appeal the decision. The suit alleged that Brown claimed that she delegated her clemency power to the parole board, which would decide the fate of the dozens of juvenile offenders. That said, the court denied a second portion of the plaintiff's petition. The court ruled the governor has inherent clemency power to grant sentence reductions without following the clemency application process that's actually set out in state law. Now, the state law says that the clemency process requires notification of the district attorney and the crime victim so they have the opportunity to comment on the clemency proposal. Under the court's ruling, the victims and the district attorneys are not required to get notification. The judge said that Brown's use of clemency powers was within her authority and upheld the commutations that she has granted to date which happens to be 1,200 people that were at Oregon State Prison. Many of them, by the way, which have already reoffended. Essentially, the, with that ruling, the governor has unlimited prerogative to choose who gets clemency. On the part of that petition, Kevin Maddox, who is handling the case, says he'll appeal that. So you're going to have cross appeals. In other words, stay tuned. Something to note that when the governor was arguing the case, or at least the Oregon Justice Department, they argued in court that the governor has no responsibility to victims or the district attorneys regarding her decisions, which sounds effectively very callous. 
While Oregon's indoor mask mandates are going to lift in 10 days, the vaccine mandate for state employees will remain in place until April 1st. Governor Kate Brown's emergency orders for COVID-19 lift on April 1st. The governor said she made the decision to rescind the COVID states of emergency on April 1st based on Oregon's virus case numbers and hospitalizations. New employees, notice I said new, who start after April 1st won't have to show proof of vaccination. Does that mean that the state will rehire the 2% of state employees who were fired for not getting vaccinated? The governor's office refuses to say. In other words, no. So the average price of gas in Oregon is now over four bucks a gallon. But if you go up to Portland, I'm going to tell you a gas station to stay away from. It is a shell station on Columbia and Fessenden. And right now, a gallon of regular will cost you $6.29. Like I said, you might want to avoid that place. Oregon health and education officials unveiled new guidance for school districts with an update to the state's Ready School Safe Learners Resiliency Framework on Wednesday. And those changes take effect on March 12th when the state lifts its indoor mask mandate and masking rules for schools. The decision according to the Oregon Department of Education, to keep masking in schools and on buses will strictly be in the hands of individual districts. Health officials recommend that districts take into account the CDC's new masking guidance on levels of COVID within communities. So if a county is considered high risk, indoor masking will be strongly encouraged. One of the biggest changes in the RSSL is the removal of test to stay, as well as a pause on contact tracing and quarantining in lower risk areas. Under the new framework, if a student gets COVID, they're supposed to stay home for five days. Then if they're fever free for 24 hours and their symptoms are improving, they can mask up for days six through 10. Schools will be required to notify cohorts, that would be like classrooms, that there's been a positive case. Oregon's state epidemiologist, Dr. Dean Seidlinger, says that schools will continue to exclude individuals who have symptoms or known COVID infection and isolation periods will remain at five days with a recommended additional five days of masking. Districts, by the way, will still offer COVID testing to students and staff. Well, it looks like we are running out of time, but I'm going to end with this. The Portland City Council announced Wednesday that the sale and use of fireworks is now banned within the city limits. They cited the state's recent record temperatures and dry conditions, and they say it's an imminent risk of starting wildfires, apparently year-round, even New Year's Eve when it's typically raining. The ban will have, of course, a huge impact on nonprofit organizations who typically sell fireworks at stands that you'll see all over metro areas. So they're out of luck. All right, Rick, open up a big old can of Grumpy Real. This is Dr. Michael Bradlin from Chris Dental. Thanks to patients like you, my dental practice is thriving. As a result, we are in need of a couple more team members. If you or someone you know is either a dental assistant or has front desk experience, please come by my office and we can talk. 
Canada's must be hardworking and have excellent customer service. Patient care is absolutely our number one priority. And best of all, your vaccination status is your business, not ours. So that's Dr. Bratlin, one of our sponsors here at Get Real with Rick Dancer. Um, so you heard the news about Kate Brown and kind of getting her hands slapped. It was kind of a split decision there. Uh, brings up a lot of questions that people were asking. So why wouldn't she want to tell the district attorneys or the victims' families um, that she's going to release these um, rapists, murderers, killers, and so on? Wouldn't that be, if, if we're humane, wouldn't that be one of the first things you'd want to do is make sure that the families were notified and make sure that the district attorneys, or, or if you're making this kind of a decision, wouldn't you want to ask the district attorneys, what do you think? You tried the case. What do you think? Instead of raising your magic scepter and just doing what you want to do. Interesting. This is the kind of leaders we pick. So anyway, today I made a phone call and we got an interview earlier today with one of the attorneys who is working on this case. And joining us right now is Monique de Spain, and she works with the attorney firm that's been fighting uh, this clemency, releasing of prisoners in Oregon and the governor and what she's been doing. And you guys had a, a bit of a win. So I want you to talk to people about that. Now, I know the governor is kind of spinning this or PR people are spinning this like, well, see, I've always been able to do that, that clemency thing. And and there's no dis, there's no dispute over that. What is it? What is it that you guys won that she can no longer do? And, and the judge actually stopped her from doing some of this. Yes. Well, if you recall, last October, October 20th, 2021, she signed a commutation order and attached a list of 72 uh convicted felons who committed the worst of the worst measure 11 crimes as juveniles. And she commuted them to the parole board, essentially giving them the right to, to appear before the parole board and make their case for an early release for a criminal sentence reduction. And the judge ruled that that was an improper uh, expansion of the parole board's jurisdiction. And that's the, the, the governor's is the executive branch. She is not a lawmaker and she can't just give administrative agencies extended powers. So that was shut down. And, and one of the reasons that's a, a big problem or a good thing that the judge did that is because she appoints the parole board and they're paid very well. <laughs> I mean, compared to most Oregonians, they're paid very well. So now you're appointing the very people you're now giving power that is supposed to be yours. And that's what they're they're saying. Well, we have this authority to do it, but but not in the way that she has, has done this right up to this point is what the judge is saying. So does that just stop? everything or it's just a few cases well there was a list of 250 uh people convicted as juveniles but there were only the 73 were the the ones on this particular commutation order and she has already started setting up their hearings uh juvenile review hearings um so so those will stop um in terms of that that process it's just um well, like I told you earlier, they have filed a request to the judge that issued this writ to um, to order a stay, which just seems unlikely that he would do that just a couple of days after he made it clear he thought this was an unlawful um, empowerment of the parole board. But um, but anyway, uh, the order also is very specific about applying the rules that were established in Senate Bill One Thousand Eight. 
And so those, like you say, those are her people on the board and she basically instructed them as to what they would do, that they would review these, all of these individual felons when they hit 15 years or 50% of their sentence. And some of those are significant reductions. Most of them have at least 25 years, uh, minimum 25 years to life. Uh, 25 years being the soonest they would have been able to meet the parole board. So um, anyhow, uh, as it stands now, that's declared an unlawful process. So in your mind, what is the win for Oregonians? And specific, let's start with Oregonians. And then I'd also like, what is the win for these, um, the victims, families of these crimes? Well, one victim, we know, you know, Ellen Pelker, you have talked to her, I believe. Um, we've been working with her. She's not one of our clients, but she was actually sitting in at a hearing for the murder review of, of her murderer. He had served 25 years and they shut down that process, which would have been uh, required more wickets for him to go through before he would be released. Um, they shut that down because he was on that order in October. Right. And so she was, so, and then uh, she had a, she has that hearing set for later this month in just a couple of weeks. So I hope we brought her some relief that that's not going to happen. Um, the win for Oregonians, I think, is just shedding light on this whole situation. I think so many people were just not aware of this abuse, the extent to which Governor Brown is releasing prisoners into our communities. And, um, uh, you know, it is not a win at all. And we totally disagree with the ruling of the court that the 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 statutes that apply to clemency as to how a clemency application is to be processed, um, if it's true, that the governor does not have to use that procedure, then she can just basically have a little star chamber where she's has her own committee that she appoints and they can keep this a secret from the public. So this is not a win at all in that regard. Um, and and was it Governor Brown, the, the governor who was going to have um, during her campaign speeches and stuff, wasn't it big on transparency in government? Um, yeah. I, don't know how that's transparent. That it's doesn't... a terrible, uh, it's just unbelievable. I mean, their arguments, DOJ's arguments on her behalf are just audacious, you know, basically saying they do not have any obligations. The governor has no obligation to victims or to district attorneys. And, and, and that's what we're challenging, her unwillingness to to listen to the wisdom and experience of the prosecutors that prosecuted these individuals. And to hear, she just her willingness to ignore the cries, the anguished cries of victims who really expected to believe in the sentences that were rendered, you know, and, and just think of the tax dollars and the effort that has gone into sentencing these people. And most of these individuals are, have not claimed that they're innocent. You know, this is clemency is not the route for um, uh, arguing your innocence. In fact, the governor's application that's available to felons in her office goes to great lengths to explain that a felon needs to exhaust all other all other avenues, appeals, and such. Um, that this was not the forum for those kinds of appeals. So, um, the so positive the thing. The governor's appealing this, and so you will be back in court, and um, it's not over, but it is. it does bring to light um, more secrecy, um, more unlawful behavior, and, um, you know, 
as the Oregonians, at least we have some, at least some forced transparency. Exactly. Yes, um, I do think this has brought a lot of attention to uh, an important safety issue, and and we filed um, a declaration by the the DA um, in Marion County, Paige Clarkson, that also highlights um, clemencies that are being granted around the edges of these um, mass commutations that we've been focused on, where the governor's office is just releasing murderers into our communities without notifying the district attorney that and the, and the victim. Uh, there's a few examples in her declaration that's public record, but it's just crazy. Um, I'll be very interested to see, um, I will be requesting from them the report that's due to the legislature as uh, soon as they close, right? The last report we saw was last June of 2021, which was a big shocker and showed <laughs> all the commutations. So it'll be very interesting to see if it's truthfully reported, how many she's uh, released since June of last year to through this uh, March 9th, I think it'll be. Oh, well, would you please let me know what you find out? Because I'm, I'm sure my viewers would love to know. The governor's staff isn't really communicating with me anymore, unfortunately. So <laughs> it might be hard for me to get it, but I will get oh. it. <laughs> All right. Monique Despain, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us tonight. Thank you. All thank right. You see you later. Okay. So um, <clears throat> one of the comments you're seeing on here, I want to make sure I don't pull the wrong one off. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> is from Brian Akers uh, saying right there. Um, I, I'm in a Brian's uh, fiance um, 20 some years ago uh, was murdered by a guy, uh, brutally murdered, head cut off with a, a scout knife. Um, and he raped her. And um, that's one of the people Brown wants to release into our community because we have crime that's skyrocketing. I can't think of a better way to solve that problem than to throw more criminals out of the prison. So Brian's pissed, and he should be. Um, what does Kate Brown gain from, the, from by doing this? I won't repeat the last part because it's obviously right there. He believes that. Um, and, and then um, what is the good thing about letting these prisoners out? They're killers and rapists. That's what, like, wouldn't it be nice if the governor were like open and talking with us and say, why, why are you doing this? Why do you think it's okay to let these people out when they've been convicted? Um, you know, and I think that is the craziest thing on the planet. And, um, but you know what? I know, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I know a lot of my very, very liberal friends who are in the police department and they're not happy about this at all all even people that get angry with me because for being forthright and saying what i believe um who are friends and don't talk to me too much anymore but they're not happy about this this put her in a really bad light and i hope people pay attention to that because um that it's a terrible thing another one of our sponsors is mercury metal fabrication fabrication this is what they do big jobs little jobs together today, Kim. What do you think? Huh?
Oh, you put it together? I was just going to say I liked it. Now, oh, never mind. I but I, they, they shot some video, and then Tim went over and shot some video. And so I sat here and I had really a couple cool. minutes, and I thought, I'm going to put this together. So um, I really like that. I think I, I, jazz. I love their shop. I love what they do. I think it's really, really fun. It's fun to see that. And you know what? Um, we're speaking with someone in a minute who could also put together a video like that with their bikes. I just thought of that. Juan could do that, Rick. You know, I think we could, and I'm going to, I just decided I'm going to put Dwan and you ahead, and then we're going to be back with, after you, uh, talk with Dwan a little bit about what's going on this weekend at the bike thing, and then we're going to be back, you guys, with the trucker rally last night, and an interview with the senator, but Kim, I just thought, you know what, let's just bring you in here and kind of get you guys. You have so much tonight, we're cramming it all in. We got, you guys, all we have so much stuff going on, so anyway, here's Dwan, and I'm going to leave, you guys have your conversation. Dwan, good to see you, buddy. Great to see you, Rick. Thanks. Hi, Dawn. Oh my gosh, I know Hi. such a small biking community here. Okay, so for those of you, those of you who don't know, Dwan is the owner, like the big, big wig at Co-Motion Bikes, and I, I don't know see a wig. Wig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's putting together this event. That how many years have you done this, Dwan? The free bikes for kids. Um, well, since it came to town uh, okay. um, in 2018. Okay, great. So last year, even with COVID, you guys were able to pull this off. And I'm going to have you guys have Dwan tell you about this. But basically what they do is they have bikes that are donated and they fix them up for kids in need. And then they give them to these kiddos. So this Saturday, here's the big deal from nine to one is your chance to get the bikes to them. So Dwan, tell us how we do this. Well, we have six locations set up around the community. So uh, South Eugene High School, Springfield High School, Sheldon High School, Shasta Middle School, Fifth uh, Street Public Market, and uh, Bring Recycling out in Glenwood area. Okay, great. That covers a lot of areas. So you guys, if you're yeah. in any of those areas this weekend, this Saturday, you've got from nine to one to get your bike there. It can be in any shape, right? Because you guys fix up these kid bikes for them. Well, you know, the the cleaner and, and nicer they are, the happier we are. Um, <laughs> because, you know, remember, we're giving these to kids and we want them to have nice, safe bikes to ride, but we will take everything. And uh, we have uh, about an 85% uh, rate of, of restoring and, and renewing those bikes. Oh, that's the ones great. that we can't restore will go to the Eugene Mission and okay. to the uh, sponsors program that takes, they, they teach life skills to formerly imprisoned people. Oh, great. Uh, okay. Yeah, this is such so a nothing's going to go in the landfill. We'll no, right. You know, That's what I we'll love. We'll take about it all. Okay, great. And then last year, you guys don't, you were able to get what 500 donated. Is that right? Yeah, we had 570 donated and uh, we gave away over 500 of those, um, you know, in great condition. Every bike goes out with, uh, uh, you know, a strong uh, mechanical overview and, um, Every kid gets a helmet, a light, and a lock. Uh, so they're set when they leave free bikes for kids. It's so cool. And you have the actual event when the kids get the bikes is in April, correct? It's in May, uh, May 14th. Yeah. May 14th. So that's when they come to get them and they even get to decorate them and, and do the whole the whole bit there. I saw yeah, some it's a party. It's fun. I think your video showed a little bit of that. Um, and uh, you know what we do is we, we partner with um, the nonprofits that serve struggling families in this area. So um, we partner with St. Vincent de Paul, Catholic Community Services, uh, NAACP, Shelter Care, uh, 
safe routes to school, school district 4J and Springfield and Bethel school districts. Um, so, and a bunch more. Um, so all of these nonprofits that serve these families, um, we notify them, you know, hey, we've got, you know, 500 or more bikes to give away. We'll work with the, the families that you're already serving. Oh my gosh, that's so great. And someone asked what about scooters? <laughs> Which yeah, is a great we, uh, we, we have given away some scooters too. And uh, some of the kids would rather have a scooter than a bike. And that's great. They're getting outside and getting exercise and it teaches them balance and, you know, it's good for them too. So yeah, yeah they're I welcome. Think that's what, as parents, we always have all of these bikes. They outgrow so quickly. So it's so fun to have someplace yeah. to, to get them to. So um, the list is, is extensive. You guys There are six different locations. So Don, where could people go? You guys have a Facebook about this. Um, there's free bikes, FB4, letter, the number four, eugene-springfield.org that you guys can go to for information anywhere else they should check you guys out. Yeah, the website is actually FB4K, as in Free Bikes for Kids, Eugene Springfield. If you start typing that, Google will pop it up, I think, yep. for you. Um, we do have a Facebook page. If you, you know, put in your Facebook search, FB4K, it'll pop up. Um, so we do have all of these sites listed on there. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep people informed about what we're up to. Um, we posted a nice video today that uh, one of my my board member uh, mates uh, put together about oh, uh, about our collection day on Saturday. So um, we're trying to keep the content fun, and uh, you know it is it is fun to bring the bikes in. We've got a lot of great volunteers from the cycling community and just you know kind-hearted people around town. Um, so when you bring your bike in. Uh, you don't have to even get out of your car. We'll get the bikes out of the car. We'll give you a tax receipt. We are a 5013C uh, nonprofit. Okay. Um, and uh, so we're trying to make it as quick and easy for you to get in and out as possible. Right. Um, drop, and, drop and go. And you guys have enough volunteers, right? I think we we just capped off the volunteers this afternoon. So I think we're okay. good. But if anybody wants to come and just hang out and wave at people driving by, you know, the they're time. welcome. Right. Yeah, that'd be great. OK, you guys go on and look for that list of locations. I know I've got a bike to get to you. I'm working on one awesome. more. So we'll get you guys to your goal. And then everyone out there, please join in. Bikes and kids, you can't go wrong. Thanks, Swan, so much for, for Thank joining you, us. Kim. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks to you, too, Rick. <laughs> yeah, Rick, Rick knows Swan as well. All right, we'll see you, buddy. <laughs> All right. So fun. I'm so excited for that. And then one more thing, it's kind of bike related. International Women's Day is next um, Wednesday. So over at uh, the Harley Davidson on Willamette, um, on College View Road, I'm sorry, um, the Willamette Valley Harley Davidson, they're getting a little uh, fun here. Meet the women who ride. They're going to have an author there. I guess she wrote a book. I've not read it. Kathleen Turner um, about a, an inspirational story of her life changing motorcycle adventure. She's going to be signing copies of her books. So maybe this a lot of people are familiar with that story. So that'll be fun to just kind of promote um women who ride and hang out and and have some some snacks nothing says women liked like riding a harley to me that's right that's okay, right so tell you a funny story so years ago i was in florence for the florence um you know roadie days and yeah. I, was oh, yeah. live, I was doing a live for kzi and so we had everything out there and so i went up to this dude and i said can i um 
you know, get on. What I want to do is to, I want to do a stand up, but I want to be on the back of your bike. And then <laughs> I'm going to throw the mic and, and we're going to take off like I'll be done. I said, so I need to ride behind you. And the guy looks at me, he goes, no, you can't be my bitch. Oh. <laughs> like, what? And he goes, no, if you're riding on the bike, you can't be my bitch. And I was like, I didn't, you know, I don't know any of these terms. I don't know what they're doing. So yeah. what I had to do was get a woman, some Harley rider that I could get on the back of the thing because you nobody wants to do okay, shit. on the back of their bike at the time. This has been a lot of years, but you know, Hey, I, he didn't want me to be his bitch. So can't I can't pretend to know what you're doing. So yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that either. Just yeah. a lame news anchor, you know? Yeah, that's right. Oh, Rick, you've been beating yourself up tonight. So Tom Hunt's Facebook met a Tom met a woman on a Harley. There you on go. There, there you go. Hey Kim, thank you. I'll see you on Tuesday. All right. See you then. All right. See you later. All right. Another one of our clients um, is uh, Derek Roser Real Estate Group. Um, and they have a house for sale. So one of the things they're doing is every month they're featuring a different business and they're they want you to tell them this is going to be a free marketing thing for them so anybody can use it and so he uh, wants you to pick so if you let them know who that business is and they choose it uh, they have some stuff they'll do for you but we can't talk about that on Facebook or they'll you know so anyway you can just get a hold of Derek but he has a home for sale but actually this is like an estate uh, so I said send me a video I want to see this so uh, check out what they're selling right now I'm just looking for a house, not a not an estate. <laughs> but get a hold of Derek and, and the gang if you are interested in any way in uh, in that uh, piece of property. So last night I drove up to a town called um, Oh gosh, now I'm losing my brain. Um, oh gosh, oh no, I can't even believe it. It's just out of Bozeman. I'll I'll think of it in a second. At Belgrade and. Um, I was as I, I missed the over the, the turnoff and I had to drive another five miles out of my way, got to another overpass. And there were people all on these overpasses all along the highway waiting to see uh, the American truckers going by uh, the convoy for freedom. And uh, there was the Oregon one went more south. And this was one that came out of Washington through Spokane. And they were picking up trucks as they go. Well, I'll tell you what, it was the most amazing thing ever to watch and afterwards I, one of the guys who helped me he was one of the organizers jeremy um <clears throat> he was taking he was collecting from he has a lumber yard and some other business contracting businesses and he's been collecting cash donations food he had uh two cows and a pig that he 
bought from 4-H uh, that were butchered. And he had a freezer on the back of a truck and he was taking it back to uh, give to these uh, truckers that are out there uh, camped out uh, fighting for their freedom and our freedom. So I picked, stopped by, picked up a soundbite with him and we got a truck or two. So just sit back and I think uh, you're gonna enjoy this little short story. When I pulled in around the corner down here and stuff, I was bawling. Yeah. I mean, it just unreal. My uh, boy, the third grade class, boys in third grade, my third grade class, brought me home a uh, whole deal of note cards. They all did prayers and blessings and everything, a whole pile of prayers from the third grade class. That was awesome. When I got, I got to the staging area and in Missoula, and within about 10 minutes, the truck started rolling in. They had me throw That's a yellow vest on them, start parking everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah, everybody got so, work. Yeah. Like it or not. Everybody chips in, everybody's so, in how, together. You guys yeah. are going all the way? Yeah, me and my, uh, me and the R&C lumber truck yeah. going all the way, yeah. yeah. The lumber yard truck going all yeah. the way to D.C. So, so yeah. as a trucker, what does this mean to you? You know, it, it is, it's, it's probably the most heartwarming thing I've ever experience in my life um, and it just it, it means the world to me to know that people you know people really care about what we do you know and and it's and it's the, the best thing about it all is it's is that people come to people coming together you know after all this COVID crap and everything people are coming together you know and it, and it, you know it's about time yeah. Thanks, man. So. Collecting donations at the lumber yard. Half the people are bawling when they drop it off. <laughs> you guys taking so, donations? Yeah. 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 I got $100 yeah. to go for it. Sweet. That is awesome. Yeah. Tell me who you are and what you came up with this idea. Uh, I'm Jeremy Miglin. I am a, uh, I own a construction company. I build houses in Helen and Butte and Deer Lodge, Montana. And, you know, uh, it's not my idea, you know, it's just everybody getting together. Everybody getting together, sick of uh, sick of government overreach. Yeah. That's you guys have a good trip, man. Bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Donations. I gather donations in Helena and Butte and uh, all my local stuff. Uh, a lot of people have been given cash. Uh, we got such an assortment of stuff. We got tables and chairs and bags and food and water and cash and on and on and on. I think right now. You know, we probably almost got enough cash to fuel the convoy that's here. Enough of these guys, we probably got enough cash to fuel them up to get all the way out. So uh, the support here is amazing. So uh, so far, I'm the only one that's not going bobtail with a trailer. So uh, every stop, I'll be collecting donations. Uh, our next stop is in Billings, so we'll be collecting donations in Billings, Montana, and uh, every stop along the way. And I'll have a semi load of stuff and. That's all lined up to get directly to the truckers staying there. So, so the uh, truckers are back there doing what? Just so people know. Ah, uh, making our voice heard. <laughs> They're saying enough's enough. Enough of the go. Enough of the overreach. Enough of the mandates. We got to get back to work. How many businesses are, you know, how many businesses need to be closed? How many uh, kids need to commit suicide because because of all this? You know, it's like where's this stuff in? It's time. It's way past time. Yep, it was time. It was time last year, but so I'm glad everybody got this organized and I can be part of it. Yeah. And we are here with uh, State Senator.
Bob Gaida from New Hampshire. And I know you're a big supporter of the, uh, the, the Freedom Convoy, the American Truckers Freedom Convoy that's uh, actually coming through my town tonight in Montana. Um, and I understand the Washington Link, which is what's coming my way, is, is pretty big. So, because uh, they're gathering trucks as they go across. Senator, why, a, a senator, a state senator from New Hampshire, why is this so important, do you think? Let's start with New Hampshire's motto, live free or die, right? Death is not I, the I've worst. Seen, I've been to your state. It's a beautiful state. Right. And I saw that and I went, live free or die. That's what I, I love that. Well, yeah, that was made by General John Stark before the Battle of Bennington. And uh, it's it, it become the state motto. Um, look, our country is in a collision between individual constitutional and, and natural rights and the powers of government, uh, as I would never have been able to imagine. I've been involved in, in politics since 1992 uh, when Ross Perot came on the stage and shook things up a little bit and I finally started to get interested. And so um, we have a nation where government just keeps encroaching using mechanisms that were never envisioned. Executive orders, one after another after another, and, and these are executive orders that, in fact, violate our fundamental human rights. For example, the Nuremberg trials, where the uh, requirement to take experimental vaccines was specifically outlawed as a world, as a world law, if you will. Uh, and yet here we are taking an experimental substance, mandating it, people losing their homes, losing their jobs. Uh, and so, again, this is a real mess. At the end of the day, our founders never believed that government should dictate to us uh, how we live, what we do, what vaccinations we get, and so forth. And it just keeps going. So uh, this, this convoy is a peaceful, lawful uh, demonstration of the, uh, the self, uh, if you will, the self-governance uh, desires of a lot of American people. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a really good testimonial to lawful um, uh, interaction uh, under our First Amendment, right of free speech, right of peaceful assembly, and a few others. Uh, this has been a long time coming. We've been two years with this regime that continues with non-scientific. You know, they talk about the science, but they never show you the data. Uh, Senator, I, I think one of the things I, I was originally from Oregon, and that's where a lot of my audience is. And we're um, Oregon is still in in a mask mandate indoors until the 11th or the 12th of March. Um, one of the last states over here on the left coast to do that. And my, I hear a lot of people say um, this not this isn't a freedom issue because you don't have the freedom to kill people and 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 this kind of uh, rhetoric that we hear. And I think, you know, I'm watching, I, I heard a newscaster say, you know, what the president really needs to do with his speech um, is, is get people, get the freedom loving Americans to, to back him on this, this whole thing. And I thought, wait, for the last two years, you've been using freedom as the new F word and, <laughs> and canceling me if I even say freedom or all of a sudden, oh, then you're a conspiracy theorist. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, look, the left always uses, uh, race card, the gender card, conspiracy theory, and their final desperate plea is, uh, and this is from my years of experience, six in the New Hampshire House and now finishing my third third term, six years in the New Hampshire Senate, uh, they use, well, that's, that's a violation of the Constitution. Okay, they haven't used that because they know in this instance what they're doing right. with these mandates is a violation of Constitution and human rights, natural rights, you know, so um, 
you know, it's, it's hogwash. Uh, people uh, have the right to make their own health care choices. We hear that from the left all the time on the abortion issue. Right. All of a sudden, when it comes to something that, in fact, is causing serious harm, serious physical harm, and with a mask mandate, serious uh, emotional harm to our kids, all of a sudden, that doesn't apply anymore. So it's a matter of consistency. You know, um, at the end of the day, um, we never took an oath to protect your health. We took an oath to protect your constitutional rights from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And as much as it may sound ludicrous to some, the enemy right now is domestic uh, in the encroachment, the continuing encroachment and in, 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 in injection of government mandates of all sorts into our lives. You know, um, and so see, when I hear conspiracy theory. I said, you know, uh, you're right. I'm conspiring to protect your constitutional rights. Do you see this getting better? After, I mean, because some people are saying, well, it's almost over. Most states are not even doing the mandates anymore. I, for what I'm getting from the truckers and people involved with this is it, this is a last message to say, don't try this again. Do not try to do this again. Cause I think a lot of Americans eyes have been opened and there, and, and we're not going back. I think you're right. Um, I know. Uh, I think that the truckers look, they're a very, I have a brother that's a trucker. It's what he does for a living, okay? Uh, and these are folks who are very attuned to freedom. Uh, these are blue-collar, hardworking Americans. They go out every day. They deliver 90% of the goods in this country to their destinations, ultimately to our homes, to our business places. And I'm just grateful that they're being reasonable because if they really wanted to make a real statement and be punitive, which they're not, they just stop doing their jobs. Right. And all of a sudden, in three days, our food stores are out of food and all the whole entire supply chain gets wrecked even more than it has been because of things like California's harbors with hundreds of ships out there sitting there unloaded, uh, loaded and, and waiting to be unloaded. So uh, I think that they're, uh, you know, they're doing the right thing. Hey, this has got to stop. No, we have to stop this. When people say um, that the economy is not doing poorly, because I looked at it, I looked at one of the TV sites out of Portland, Oregon, and it was showing fact check. And it was all these issues of the, the economy's doing better and this and they and, and they said, no, Biden's right. But I don't think most Americans feel like the economy is doing well. Inflation's going up. This the affordable housing. There's no such thing. I don't That's not even a word. You couldn't. That's not even a term you can use anymore. Right. Even here in Montana, the price of housing is just through the roof. And. What, what do you say to people when they talk to you about stuff like that and say, you know, the economy? You know, I, I just I, I look what Ronald Reagan said to Jimmy Carter. Are you better off today than you were a year ago? OK, right. and the answer for most people I know is no. I go right. to the grocery store. What used to cost me forty dollars has cost me seventy five. Yeah. Um, and, and that's 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 the real America that Washington is so detached from. They live in another planet as far as I'm concerned. Because the average everyday working American, okay, uh, is struggling. Uh, wages are not going up, but prices sure are. And, and you know, uh, I listened to Biden's speech last night. I couldn't believe what he was saying. Yeah. You know, created the most jobs. We also destroyed the most jobs of any time in history. He didn't create those jobs. These are people going back to jobs that already existed. So you well, hear they, the misrepresentation of facts to, to, to skew a political perspective. And, and, and they, paid, they paid people not to work. Right. And now right. I don't know what's going on there, but here in Montana and even in Oregon, there's a lot of places that can't stay open seven days a week, restaurants and stuff like that, because they can't get people to, 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 to take the jobs. 
And then when you go to, I, I don't, but when you go to a fast food place when they're paying, well, actually we went to the movies. It was 12, what was it? $17 or $18 a ticket. And, and then they said, no, 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 I know it was just $12 for the tickets, but it said on the front, we're now paying $17 and 50 cents an hour to workers. And I'm going, we're paying $4 more a ticket to go to the movie because we have to pay for that wage right there. It's been boosted up by this whole attitude by the Biden administration. Right. And that's that. I don't think they take that in consideration when they're sitting there talking about, oh, the economy is doing great. Well, again, what do you say? There's a, a liars, a figures will lie and liars will figure, right? Words to that effect. So they're using statistics, but again, we keep forgetting the fact that they destroyed hundreds of thousands, if not millions of jobs. Small businesses were just destroyed, uh, right. regardless of the CARES Act and the funding that came for all those, you know, the PPP and all those programs. Um, the fact remains that they created the mess. And now as, as America is slowly recovering, uh, although a lot of small businesses are not, uh, they're claiming credit for job creation, things like that. Um, you cannot belie the fact that what we're doing with the green energy policy that we have, right, shutting down Keystone, we're taking in 600,000 barrels a day of oil from Russia. We are funding Russia's war against Ukraine. Right. And then and then in Oregon, what we did was as a symbolic thing, they, they stopped. You can no longer sell um, the OLCC, Oregon Liquor Commission. You can no longer sell Russian booze in Oregon, which most of which you have to do the same thing. Yeah, I think the governor's association, I think the governor's association probably did something that because our governor did the same thing. It's already paid for it on the shelves. Number right. one. Number so, two, most of it is actually made in the United States. So it's if you really wanted to do something real to stop the war, you'd stop, you'd open up the pipeline and you'd stop buying oil from Russia. That's the real answer right there. But nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to do these little superficial, symbolic things that make them feel good. Exactly. But does absolutely nothing. Senator, exactly. last thing I'm going to ask you, what do you what do you see coming up in the May elections and the in the fall? You know, and then the 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 uh, general election in the in the in the fall. What do you I, see? I think that we're going to the Republicans are going to win back the House and the Senate. Um, I think that. Uh, just based on uh, the, the, the State of the Union speech, when this president has the audacity to stand up and say, we're doing better than ever at the borders, right? We have over a million people in the last year, undocumented, illegal immigrants, okay, that came into this country, drug dealers, carrying drugs. Uh, and, and so to sit there and say that right. we're doing like he's taking credit for things he has not done in fact has undone what president trump was doing with the border and so again it, it is a matter of the american people have to open their eyes and do their homework right. remember jefferson said that the success of the republic depends on an educated electorate okay we don't have that right now but yeah. people are waking up i will tell you that in new hampshire we're seeing i will say hundreds of people who had not been involved running for the school boards Conservatives right. are saying, wait a minute, what were you teaching my son or daughter? That's right. simply not acceptable. We're going to take on those positions. So I think there's an awakening happening. Um, I, I hope that it continues and I'll do everything that I can. Very grateful for these truckers that are taking time out of their lives and, and you know, spending four, five, six dollar gallon gasoline or diesel fuel to make a statement on behalf of liberty, uh, the ordinary working Americans whom Washington just seems to have forgotten. 
Senator, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Um, I love your attitude and uh, your stand as well. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. So that's it for tonight. Um, That was almost an hour-long show. We're getting so much content. Uh, It helps when you move to a big sky country. (laughs) So anyway, thanks for watching. If you don't follow us, um, do. Um, It'll notify you every time we go live. And all you have to do is go hit the button that says follow. And then that'll keep you in tune with what we're doing. And that's on any of our channels. I would recommend on the Get Real with Rick Dancer channel. Excuse me. Again, we we want to thank our sponsors, Rosa Real Estate Group, uh, Chris Dental. You also saw it. um, Mercury Metal, uh, Design and Fabrication, and uh, all of our sponsors here on the show. We can't do this without you. So we will be back on Monday uh, with more news. And I'm actually interviewing a young man tomorrow who got a turnaround award many years ago. And we're going to check in with him. And also I have Paul Romero, uh, who is running for governor in Oregon on the Constitution Party. And he has some really interesting things to say. That'll air on Monday as well. And the rest of the week is already full. Um, so we got lots of stuff going on. So uh, share this with your friends. Tell other people about it. Uh, get us out there. That's what we need you to do. All right. Have a good night. Have a good weekend. Uh, God bless you. And God bless America, actually.